What if bridges could talk to you? What would they say? Is it possible to 3D print a heart? These are the types of questions that Carnegie Mellon engineering researchers are answering, testing, and applying to the real world. This podcast series will bring them all together. Every day, we deal with a lot of passwords. Some studies have even said that the average person has over 50 online accounts, all password protected. Hopefully they're good passwords too, because we're protecting a lot of personal information. But what qualifies a password as good anyway? What attributes make one password more secure, more unguessable than another? In celebration of Cybersecurity Awareness Month, which is the month of October, I'm talking with someone who has spent years trying to answer these questions about passwords. I'm Lori Craner, and I'm a professor of computer science and of engineering and public policy here at Carnegie Mellon. So Lori, let's pretend I'm signing up for online banking today. I'm going to put my entire life savings in there. Walk me through making a secure password. In general, a secure password is long. 12, 15 characters or longer if you want. It shouldn't be your name, your pet's name, your family member's name, your birthday. A lot of people like to put passwords about people they love, things they love, sports teams they love. Um, it's good to just pick some, um, some phrase that makes sense to you that you'll remember, but is not a catchy popular song or something like that. String the letters together, take the first letter of each word in the phrase, add some numbers or symbols if it's allowed in the middle, and that that will give you a good password. So it kind of seems like people are not really following those rules because in 2014, the top three passwords were 12345, password, and one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. <laughs> What's your reaction to that? Well, you know, people are generally lazy. They they want to have a password that they can remember and um, a pattern on the keyboard. The numbers. Uh, there are also popular passwords that are um, you know going to letters across the keyboard. I mean, what could be easier to remember than that? Um, the word password itself is easy to remember. Um, and so I think people, when when you're creating a password you're in the middle of trying to do something else. Like you're trying to open your bank account or get to read that article in the newspaper or whatever, and you don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about it. So people just do what's easy. Talk to me a bit about some of the things that your research group has been trying to do to make passwords more secure. Yeah, so um, we started working on this uh, back when uh, Carnegie Mellon changed their password policy. And um, we went and asked the system administrators how they decided on this policy. And they pointed to some guidelines and standards that didn't seem to be based on any science. Uh, and we were interested in finding out what are the properties that actually make passwords secure and also what makes them memorable and usable. And there's kind of a tension here. Uh, I could give you a very secure password that would be completely random, and you would scream at me and say, I can't, rem I can't remember that. This is a terrible password. So where is that balance between security and usability? And we wanted to get data on how people think about creating passwords in order to uh, inform the answer to that question. Interesting. I'm guessing it's probably pretty difficult to even get passwords to study, right? 
it's not easy <laughs> to get passwords. Uh, people, people don't tend to, to want to give you passwords. Although I found since I've been doing password research and I tell people that, everybody comes up to me and wants to tell me their password. Um, and I'm like, no, no, stop. Don't tell me your password. I don't want to know. Um, but we, we started looking around to, to where we could get passwords. Um, one approach is to survey people and not ask them for their password, but ask them about their password. You know, how long is it? How many symbols are in it? How many digits? Uh, another approach is to do a study where we ask people to create a password for the study. And we've done that in our lab, and people come in one at a time and create a password, but it's fairly slow. And so we've done online studies where we can recruit people to come to our website, pay them a dollar or so, and they'll create a password and tell us about why they created it. Um, come back a few days later, see if they remember it. Uh, and we have collected uh, about 60,000 passwords wow. that way. Well, but wait, if I'm being asked to make a password for a password study, I... At least I personally might be afraid of embarrassing myself, so I might try to make a better password than I would normally. So how do you get people to act naturally in these studies? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so we experimented with how to ask the question in the study to try to get most realistic responses. Um, and yeah, when we told people, this is a password study, create a password, we don't think people were, were behaving all that naturally. Um, instead, if we tell them, uh, imagine that your email password has been compromised and you are told you have to create a new password. Create the kind of password you would create. Um, then we're able to actually get people to have more natural behavior. And so through sort of trial and error, we came up with, with this way of doing it. Um, but we wanted to validate that this really is working. So when we were able to analyze the Carnegie Mellon passwords, we decided to compare that to passwords in a study. And so we did a study where we told people to pretend that they worked for Carnegie Mellon and had to create a password. And we actually copied the whole Carnegie Mellon website where people create passwords. So it was the exact same experience you would have at Carnegie Mellon. And we compared those passwords with the real Carnegie Mellon passwords. And we found that they were very similar. That's really cool. So n now you have lots and lots of representative passwords to study. What are the patterns that emerge? Uh, so it seems like we should aim to try to get our strength in passwords through length rather than complexity. Um, at the same time, if you have no rules other than it must be long, people do really kind of silly things um, because it's easy. So people will make their password Password, password, that's 16 characters. Right? It's a terrible password. Um, or, or some people say, okay, I'm more clever than that. My password will be baseball, baseball, right? Also a terrible password. <laughs> sounds, like the, uh, sounds like the passwords on the most popular passwords list. So one of the things that we've seen on these most popular password lists is that often monkey is on the list. Monkey. Yeah, year after year, monkey. It's usually around 10 or 15. So every year we see it on the list. And it's, it's the one thing on the list that it's not obvious why it's there. And so I keep remarking to my students, you know, we've got to figure this out. We've got to solve the monkey problem. Uh, and uh, they laugh at me. But a couple of years ago, I said, no, really, we've got to solve this problem. 
So we instrumented our password uh, collection system. And whenever somebody in one of our studies created a password that had the word monkey somewhere in the password, we added an extra question and asked them why there was a monkey in their password. And we, we ran a study for a few weeks and we collected 17 monkeys. <laughs> Uh, and um, yeah, we didn't get anything too profound, but but we did learn that people like monkeys. They're cute. They they have pets or friends nicknamed monkey, um, but they generally you know have warm positive feelings. And I think um, you know dog and cat are like that too, but they're too short. You know, oh. people know you can't have a three letter password. Um, so monkey uh, is is cute and warm and fuzzy, um, and you can spell it, and it's a long enough word. And so we see a lot of monkeys in passwords. Huh. One of the things you've been working on is a password meter, which may help with these lazy passwords, right? Well, part of the problem is is laziness. Part of the problem is people don't really understand what they need to do. Um, you know, everybody's heard you're supposed to have numbers in your password, but beyond that, uh, people's ideas about what makes a strong password are not always correct. Uh, and so password meters can help if it's a good password meter. And we've found that a lot of the password meters on websites today are not very good. But we in our lab have been able to create much better password meters. And we actually have a project right now where we're going to um, develop uh, a really good password meter based on our research and release that as open source so that websites can incorporate that. I see. So let's imagine I'm making a password and the password is baseball99. What might this password meter tell me? So it might suggest that you move the 99 somewhere in the middle of the password instead of putting it at the end, which would make it a much stronger password. Ah, so this password meter will offer specific suggestions. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're still developing it, so we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But, but our idea is that it would uh, give you specific suggestions based on what you've done um, and based on our knowledge of what makes passwords strong. Looking forward, what do you think passwords will look like in 10, maybe 20 years? Will, will we even have passwords? I mean, not, not to threaten your job security or anything. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I think, I think we, we all hope that we come up with a better solution than passwords. Um, I think even those of us who are spending a lot of time trying to optimize passwords agree that passwords are not the best solution. Uh, the problem is there, there isn't... There, there isn't a better solution right now that is as generally useful as passwords. Um, for some situations, we can substitute passwords with something better, like a biometric uh, or a physical card or something. Um, but as a general purpose tool, passwords are still the best thing we have, even though they're really flawed. Um, so 20 years from now, yeah, I hope we've moved beyond passwords, but I wouldn't bet on it. Um, I, I think Bill Gates said that the, the end of passwords was near, I don't know, 15 years ago or something, and it hasn't happened. This podcast has been brought to you by Carnegie Mellon University's College of Engineering. I'm Daniel Tatchik.